0: What is up, everyone? Chris Cage here, founder of Green Belly Meals. Today, I talk with Eric Von Gleisch, aka Rusty, about the three iconic long-distance trails in the United States, the Appalachian Trail, or AT, the Pacific Crest Trail, or PCT, and the Continental Divide Trail, or CDT. These trails are collectively known as the Triple Crown of hiking. Eric hiked the AT in 2015, the PCT in 2016, and the CDT in 2017. Combined, this is just shy of 8,000 miles. We're going to hear a little bit about Rusty's experience as well as nerd out on comparing the three trails in several categories scenery, wildlife, trail conditions, weather, gear differences, hiking culture, resupplying, and more. If you're considering a through hike but not quite sure which trail to hike, hopefully this episode will help you decide. Let's dive in. To, to settle down with a and kid. I live for the grind and I grind to live. I want to do the things that matter to me. Live like a good king. That's What's up, Rusty? Thanks things. for joining us. Hey, how you doing? Where are you calling in from today? Long
1: Valley, New Jersey.
0: Okay. Is that where you're originally from?
1: Yeah, I'm uh, from Hopacong, which is half an hour away from here.
0: Nice. Northern New Jersey. Nice, nice. Well, I saw a video of you on YouTube from Pie on the Trail where he filmed you going through your pack and all of your gear right after the CDT. So, did you through hike with him?
1: I did. I met Pi on the Appalachian Trail probably about halfway through out, out in Pennsylvania. And I met him. He was with a group of guys, it was four of them. And I, I kind of just clung on to them for a little bit. And then uh, years later, we uh, ended up on the CDT together.
0: Was that planned?
1: That was planned, yes. Because the other guys that he was with, I ended up meeting back up with them on the Pacific Crest Trail the year after, and then they're the kind of the ones that got me into the CDT. I, I had no plans of hiking the CDT with no interest, and then uh, they just kind of talked me into it. So
0: nice, nice. Well, I, I coincidentally we were we cross paths in Thailand. So good, dude. Shout out to Pie. But yeah, on that note, speaking of Pie's video. Quick question about your gear. One thing that... So for the listeners, there's you should check out... I'll, I'll link up to it in the, in the show notes. But There's a video from Pi on the Trail about Rusty's gear. And one thing I noticed after watching that was I could tell you were minimalist and lightweight and intentional about the gear items in your pack. However, you also had some quirky luxury items. And a few examples were mustache wax, <laughs> a speaker, a loofah, and a license plate and a steel scrubby for your pot. So, what's your kind of gear philosophy, or how did you think about your gear selection
1: for the Appalachian Trail? My gear selection, I read who knows, I, I maybe twenty up to thirty books of just other hikers' accounts and and all that, and then obviously going on the internet and looking at gear videos and all that. And you know, I ended up on the Appalachian Trail with, you know, the standard forty-pound pack, just really heavy pack with all this stuff that you don't need. Uh, you know, a, a bowl and a cup and all this ridiculous stuff that you you know you would never actually use. But it's just uh, it gets whittled down after time. So it's it's you always changes. But some stuff is comfort to some people. To other people, it's not comfort. So it's. You know, as as far as cleaning your pot with a scrubby, like to me, that's a must have because I've seen some people out there with some really, really nasty stuff and, and that they're eating out of them. Just it irks you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, other things, yes, yeah, you know, carrying a speaker, um, a lot of people kind of yell at you for that. But we were really, I carried the speaker on these long road walks. We'd have like a 70 mile road walk and it'd be five of us hiking together. And so we'd get the tunes going and hang out and, You know, just walking down the road, listening to music together, you know, not like disturbing nature
0: as a lot of people thought it was. How about that license plate? License
1: plates, that was on the CDT. We, like I said, there was a lot of road walks. You see a lot of stuff on the side of the road. I'm just by nature kind of a collector and a hoarder. I have a lot of stuff in my home. I just had my eyes peeled on the side of the road, just looking for stuff. So I I picked up a license plate. Someone else picked one up. I picked another one up. And we actually all just ended up with license plates on our backpacks, just kind of just a a thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, cool. I I think I just thought it was interesting. I figured a triple crowner would have whittled down to, you know, just real ultra ultra light stuff. But in reality, it seemed like you had kind of optimized a little bit more for comfort, right? You're outside that much, and I think it was it was interesting to see what you what you had packed.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I've carried so many random things. I I had a wooden hatchet for 500 miles of the AT just because I liked it.
0: You, oh, geez. You know,
1: usually people have one little thing, like a little stuffed animal or something that they they carry, just a little something stupid. But I mean, I, I've had hundreds of stupid things on me.
0: Yeah, yeah. That, so there aren't many of you triple crowners out there. I I was doing some research, and it looked like there were about six hundred people that are estimated to have done it, and it looks like about three hundred and fifty have actually officially registered. But I've I've heard this comparison a lot. I'm sure you have too. That. A similar amount of people have been in space, which I looked up. It's about five hundred and fifty, so similar. Six hundred and five fifty. So I appreciate your uh, insight on this. I'm interested to dive into some of this stuff. So, what first got you interested in through hiking?
1: Really, just being outside and having interest in, in being in nature. You know, my old, my old backyard when I was growing up was woods and. I loved going out there and walking around and I kind of got into uh, mushroom hunting a little bit and bought a bunch of books on that. So I'd go out in the woods and look for mushrooms and obviously growing up building tree forts with my friends and then a little bit of Boy Scouts and camping. So all that kind of added up. And then you lose that. I kind of lost that through... You know my teenage years and into my 20s a little bit cuz you're busy doing other stuff worrying about girls or whatever and and then at some point you know life just comes down on you and uh, I, I was just working full time for years and uh, at one point my I just my mind got full and got a little depressed and you know started reading like Appalachian trail books out of nowhere cuz I just Something I heard about, and I said that's just the coolest thing ever. You know, people walking across the whole country, sleeping out in the out in the woods and stuff. So, you know, I planned a little trip out to California and did a little backpacking, and then I was just kind of hooked from there.
0: Right on, man. Yeah, I think a lot of people. It seems to be a big kind of genesis in their life. Is they're like, I'm not really enjoying. What's going on right now? And I want to go spend some time in the woods. So but being in New Jersey, I'm guessing you'd been exposed to the idea of the Appalachian Trail early on.
1: Yeah, not so much. It's kind of odd. It I heard of it when I was younger, it did, but it didn't stick in my mind. And it really, it was like my mid-20s where somehow I read something about it again. And then I kind of realized what it actually was. And I never, it's just like I growing up, I didn't actually know what the Appalachian Trail was. And then like I said, my mid-20s, I heard about it and you know, started reading about it. And from there I was hooked, but it was it's kind of almost a late bloomer to it.
0: Yeah. So you start off doing the Appalachian Trail. Why did you uh, do the through hikes in the order that you did? And did you know that you wanted to do all all three of them?
1: Yeah. So I didn't know I wanted to do all of them. You know, I started off and I just wanted to get out in the woods and kind of be a backpacker, I guess. So I just started buying random gear on eBay and and whatnot. And I bought a hammock because I thought hammocks were cool. So I went out in 2011, I believe, and uh, decided to do the New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail, which is like 76 miles. So I went out and I did that. And uh, I hated it. And I just... (laughs) I mean, I loved it, but but I really... I hated it. I said, you know what? I'm never gonna do the Appalachian Trail, the whole thing. Like I did my little 76 miles, but it's not for me. It hurt like hell. It was boring. It was just, I mean, I had no, no interest. <laughs> Good start. And then it fast forward a few more years and you decided to do it? Yeah, fast forward a few more years. And I'm still I'm still buying a, a book every couple months, you know, a a different AT book every couple months, reading it. And I'm just saying, like I know that people have fun doing it, and I know there's something about it. I just, and I just have to get out there for the long run. I have to get away from home and away from work. And I know that if if I know that I don't have to wake up the following morning and go to work, that it's actually going to be fun to be out there. And so knowing, hey, you know what, I'm going to quit my job, and I know I don't have to work for the next six months, so I can just enjoy this at my own pace. Uh, eventually, you know, I'll enjoy it. And I did. I did.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, you ended up doing three of them. But so after you did the AT, when did you know that you wanted to do another one?
1: So before I did the AT, I was following people's blogs, and they were kind of rudimentary back then. And you know, it so was it was 2013, I think, that I was following blogs, and that was kind of a new thing on the internet. So I was following another uh, along, another hiker, uh, Acorn, as some random woman, and. Uh, She did the AT, and I followed her the whole way. And then when I finally got on the AT, after following her, I also followed her onto the PCT. And I was like, And then, so it's like, once I did the AT, I saw her do the PCT, and I was like, man, I want to do that, too. And also a couple guys that I knew, uh, not uh, Pi, but another guy, Click and Cheesebeard, they were hopping onto the PCT yep. and it was just the scenery out there is just so much more amazing than the East coast. I mean, I'm sorry to say it, but it's just like, it's just, yeah, we'll get into that. We'll yeah, just, get into it's just that. a totally different thing. And, and it was something I never imagined I could do. I was like, I can't be in those mountains alone. I'm like, that's just, I just, it was scary, which is why I started with the Appalachian trail because it was on the East coast, my home. And it was just kind of walking through deciduous forest that I was used to. It was just, it was just normal. But I mean once you do it, you feel like you can do anything anyway because uh, you're getting some rough stuff on the a t as well
0: let's jump into it I think that's a that's a good segue to uh, the the scenery is one of the big things I want to talk about so before we do kind of the category layout of comparison I'm, I'll give a little A quick overview of the three trails, and then I'll go into the categories and we'll try to do a comparison on each of them. So um, first up, we have the AT on the East Coast, stretching 2,190 miles through 14 states on the East Coast, which Appalachian Mountains, obviously. It's by far the oldest trail of the three, completed in 1937. And the highest point is 6,600 feet in North Carolina. Then we have the PCT on the West Coast, which stretches 2,650 miles from Mexico to Canada through California, Oregon, and Washington. And it looked like the first thru-hike was recorded in 1970, and the highest point is 13,100 feet in California. And finally, we have the CDT, which is more in the middle of the country and is the longest, stretching 3,100 miles from Mexico to Canada through the Rocky Mountains through New Mexico, Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, and Montana. I hope I got all my states right. It looks like the first hike was recorded in 1972 and the highest point is 14,200 feet in Colorado. So as far as some categories, I can only go off my experience on the Appalachian Trail and what I've heard about the other two trails. So first off scenery, probably the biggest question is which has the best scenery. And my take is like you're probably comparing apples and oranges. It's not fair to just say which one's the prettiest. But let's talk about that. How would you sum up the scenery of the three trails? When I just do it off the top of
1: my head, I always just think, oh, the PCT. I guess from memory and kind of when I look back at pictures, I I just... A lot of wow and aha moments. But it's... For me, I would say, yes, the West Coast is better than the East Coast. It's hard for me to compare the PCT and the CDT because uh, the PCT was the first time I saw all of this, and by that time I got to the CDT, I was kind of used to it. So it's I kind of have a, a trouble differentiating them. So it's like it's.
0: So you had you had the wow factor on the PCT. Yeah, I did. To talk about that wow factor, I, I had the same thing because we're both we both grew up on the East Coast. I grew up in Georgia. You know, the largest mountains on the East Coast are six thousand feet, right? And so to get to like a five thousand foot. Mountain on the Appalachian Trail feels like a big deal. And then, you know, I've done subsequently, I've done, you know, lots of hiking out west, and you'll do these above tree line hikes with these huge vistas. And you're like, wow, the East Coast, those are just, those are foothills, right?
1: Yeah. Well, so, yeah, the East Coast, obviously, people say when you're down south on the AT, you got the green tunnel and all that. And, and the other thing about the AT, uh, was I? Had, I feel like I had a lot of fog. So even when I got out of the tree line, a couple times down south, I'd get fog. So we—I think the highest point is Klingman's Dome, maybe. And when I was up there, it was all fog, so I saw nothing. But the the big aha view for me on the AT, I believe it was like Franconia Notch, I, I guess, in in uh, New Hampshire. It it kind of got to like a bald kind of a rocky area. And that was just like, that was what I was looking for the whole trip. That's when it went. And that's when I really felt like I was like, Oh shit, I'm out there. It's like, I I, I mean, I love that. I I can't, I'll never forget,
0: forget that area. Yeah, totally. I think, have you ever seen lots of the Mohicans? Yes. When people talk about, you know, non, non hikers or people that haven't, Aren't familiar with AT and they ask about the scenery of the AT. I, I kind of think of that movie. It's just like lush green forest, streams, right? Lots of trees. It's almost jungle like, but not quite tropical. But yeah, you contrast that out west, and it's it's night and day. Yeah, I do. I I
1: love being in the trees. I love the little rivers running through. That's uh, it's what I grew up with, and that's it's. Almost more comforting to be inside of that than it is to be out in the open once you're out in the open in a mountain it gets it's you're exposed it gets scary
0: right and I don't know the percentages, but the for people who don't know there's uh, there's something called above tree line, which tree line is where the trees stop growing, and that tree line is determined by a variety of factors, one of which is elevation so when you're on the east coast, the mountains simply aren't that high, so you don't have very much above treeline hiking on the East Coast compared to the West Coast. The mountains are a lot higher. So you have a lot more above treeline hiking. When you're above treeline, there's nothing blocking your view. So you have a lot more big epic uh, views, right? So it kind of comes down to personal preference. Do you like that dense lush green forests with the streams kind of look? Or do you like the big vistas? And I've got to say, I think you and I are the same. The, the vistas are, are pretty pretty amazing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's you can't really argue with it they they just are. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what
1: about the people
0: grow, growing up growing up on the east coast
1: I, I have an appreciation for being just in in the thick of the woods and just I mean having that shade and just you know birds and animals
0: and it's it, it's comfy for me. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't and for the record I I'm not turning my back on the east coast. I I totally agree with you. I I, I love it. It but it's just a wow factor whenever I go out west to get those epic views and and see for so f- you know so far it's pretty it's pretty cool yeah and then
1: you, and you know you, you have to walk as far as you can see you have to walk over there is, is the thing right <laughs> oh that's that's the big thing for me is just you get to a, the top of a mountain and you could you could look for hundreds of miles at the furthest mountain you could see and you have to say to yourself well, I'm going to be walking there in the next three
0: weeks or however long it takes to get there. Right. Can you recall any kind of scenery differences between PCT and CDT? Am I, like more jagged mountains, more rocky mountains, more desert, You know, anything like that on the big differences between PCT and CDT?
1: It's a little hard to, to compare them. One, because I did the PCT um, south to north and and the CDT north to south, so on the PCT we started in the desert and ended uh, in the mountains, and then vice versa. When it came down to it, it, it's I guess sort of the same. It's off the top of my
0: head, it's really hard to compare them. Do you of of the three? Do you have an uh, an image of which one you think is the most beautiful? It sounds like the PCT.
1: I would say yes. I feel. <laughs> the cdt was it was a strange thing like i said there was a lot of a lot of road walking and a lot of the trails were actually like almost dirt roads so it almost was more exposed a lot of times i i was you know we would walk through like big cow fields and uh walking through the great basin was just a a totally open thing it's I guess when I actually do think about it, they were pretty, they are really different. It's, there's just, it's, it gets, it's so hard to compare 2000 miles to 2000 miles. Cause there's so many little things in each one of them that you can't just dumb it down to, you know, how, how are they different? How are they the same? Cause there's just so many little things, but I mean, I wouldn't say one is better than the other. I wouldn't, I don't think, I think one is better than the other. I guess I go back and look at my pictures And they're amazing from both.
0: What about if we could try to drill down more on like uh, terrain variety? Do you have any sense? I think we've kind of painted the picture on the East Coast. Green, lush, water. Do you have any sense on the CDT versus PCT as far as desert versus forest versus waterfalls, rivers, lakes? Was there much difference there? Or did they both still seem fairly similar?
1: Uh, I would say fairly similar. Uh, I'd say on the CDT, you you more have this feeling of being further from uh, just anything. You just, you feel more like you're out I'm in the middle remote. of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Because the PCT, I, I guess you just, I, you go through more towns and when you come, when you, when the trail crosses a town, you're, clo- you know, you're closer to the actual center of it. Uh, whereas the CDT, I felt like when we got close to something, sometimes we had have to hitchhike 30 or 40 miles just to get into a town, you know, to resupply or something like that. It's you just, I think you feel more out there on the CDT. It, it's just you're, you know, just away from it all.
0: Right. And as far as we're talking about exposure, the weather, how would you have compared your most extreme weather? Among the three trails, huh? Probably has to do with going northbound and southbound a little bit too. Like what what seasons you're hitting at, at what point in time on the trail, but which ones were the most extreme and and why? As far as rain, snow, wind, lightning storms. Well, I would say I feel like the, some of the worst for me was on the AT,
1: uh, just because I, I ended up. I remember one time just two, like it felt like maybe two weeks just walking in the rain, just. And just constantly being wet and cold, and just and just kind of miserable, and just wishing, just wanting, just to be dry. Just just every second of every day, just wanting to be dry. The AT is definitely a wet, wetter trail because it just. It's, I guess it's more humid on the East Coast as well. I guess that's a, a kind of a well-known fact that there's just more humidity on the East Coast. So you're just constantly wet so you are you're smellier you just you smell worse and you sweat we're really really selling the at here aren't we <laughs> yeah, i yeah i mean i we're not here to sell the at i guess but I, yeah it just for me it was i just remember feeling grosser on the at than any of the other trails but i, I mean everyone has its weather i I'm, i've been caught on a, a lightning storm in the at which scared the hell out of me you know, had lightning strike within a hundred yards and it just, it opens your eyes up. And I remember just laying down in the pouring rain under a rock on my back, just, just to feel safe. But we had the same thing on the CDT. We, we got caught up on a mountain and we have started seeing lightning strikes on top of the mountain. And, we knew we were just, it, you know, it's exposed, and we knew it's like it's five miles to get off this exposed part of the mountain because you got to go up and down, and you, there's no taking any shortcuts because that's when you get yourself lost. So it's like, I guess it's all which year you get there and what weather you get.
0: Did you have snowfall on
1: on any or all? On the AT, I there was one mountain that I walked up that had it snowed the day before, which was kind of cool because. I think it was in May. So I, I thought it was kind of cool because it was, you know, in the middle of May and it was warm out and there, I walked up to snow. And then I think at the end of the PCT, I got snowed on a little bit. Luckily, we were kind of ahead of it and the people behind us actually were walking through eight or nine inches of snow. But nothing, you know, as far as snow, nothing terrible. It's always that first season snow where it, it kind of snows and then melts or something like that. And, doesn't actually affect you, and and the temperatures aren't actually that cold.
0: Interesting. I thought maybe maybe it varies year by year, but my understanding was is a lot of times hikers are you know prevented from hiking certain sections of the trail on the PCT and CDT due to you know so much snowfall.
1: All all of my years of hiking, I got really lucky. So no snow started before I got there. Everything was mostly just leftover snow from the year before. So the only thing that you're worrying about is you know post holing and. Uh, melting snow. But besides that, the weather for us just I, or for me personally, it just worked out very well. I got very lucky.
0: Yeah, no, that does sound pretty good. As far as how the weather impacted your day-to-day, it sounds like the... I mean, this is what everybody says. The AT is just wet and can be miserable at times. But one thing I've seen on the... We'll call them the West Coast trails, the PCT and the CDT is that they're Because they're drier, it seems like a lot of people do like cowboy camping. It just seems like a little different vibe. Did you do cowboy camping or was there anything that was different as far as the way you hiked those West trails? I did get introduced to
1: cowboy camping on the PCT. So I think I did it maybe two or three times on the AT, like barely anything because my big thing at nighttime is is bugs. So it's when you're cowboy camping, you're going to be exposed to bugs. So I I opened up to it on a PCT more. A lot of times you're traveling with people, so I'm more comfortable sleeping outside of my tent when there's a bunch of other people around me because it's you know if everyone's in the water, it's not as scary. So sleeping outside at night on the PCT, I did it more times than I can count on a couple hands. So I definitely got into it. A lot of the guys was with really they loved it even in the Sierras when it was really cold out. But I mean, you can't beat the skies out there. So when you got out of your tent and you got to see the skies at night, you kind of get addicted to it. And you're like, you're just waiting for the next time to cowboy camp. But uh, you know, there's just always that fear of rain wherever you are and moisture. So it's like... Mm. I'm just scrambling to make shelter in the middle. Yep. And yes, I've I've had to do that a few times, set up the tent in the middle of night when it starts raining. Either that or you just wake up and start hiking. But uh, I feel like we did that more on the PCT. And on the CDT, I remember a handful of times cowboy camping, but not a heck of a lot. The worst thing is wherever you are, there's mosquitoes. And one mosquito in your ear, it can ruin the whole night. So me, for me, I just like setting my tent up and just having that bug net around
0: me. And Yeah. I haven't I've done significantly less camping out west than I have on the east, but... Exactly like you said, the bugs keep me up all night, and it just doesn't seem worth the risk to me to, yeah, not have a tent. But you talk about mosquitoes. Let's talk about some some wildlife. What are kind of the the big scary stuff? Comparing uh, the trails, the three trails. So I'm thinking the East Coast. We've got, I mean, ticks, right? I mean. People talk about ticks. I don't want to kind of undermine Lyme disease. Uh, there occasional black bear, occasional rattlesnake. But I would not say that there are too many real scary things on the East Coast. Would you agree on the West Coast? Or I know grizzlies are an issue. What what were kind of some of the things on the, the trails that, to look out for?
1: First off, I have to agree. <clears throat> the scariest thing for me on the East Coast was ticks because that would be something that would just stop your hike. And and that's the big thing on the East Coast, because the Lyme disease is a terrible thing. I I know people who have it, who have had it. Uh, That was the scariest thing for me on the East Coast. And the second one being black bears. And I only I think I saw seven or eight black bears on the whole AT. Three of them were in New Jersey, which is where I'm from. And uh, you know, up here, they, people more consider them like uh, the pests that go through the trash and all that. But you know, when, you, when you're out in the middle of the woods and you see one alone, or I, I woke up in my hammock alone and, and had a black bear just snooping around, I mean, that, that's really scary. Uh, but luckily, clapping your hands just shoos them away.
0: Yeah, I think every, every black bear I saw was just very skittish and ran away very quickly.
1: Yeah. Luckily too. Luckily they're not too, uh, but, but before I started hiking, I, someone had just been killed by a black bear, I think in New Jersey, I think right around that time. And it was, like, but it was like the first in a hundred years. So it's, it's like, you, you know, how low of a chance. So yeah, technically Appalachian Trail, the scariest thing probably for me is a tick. And then when I went out West, uh, on the PCT, the biggest thing i, I thought was rattlesnakes, because you know we started off down in the desert, and and the first five hundred miles, I think I saw maybe six rattlesnakes and and it was the kind of thing where I came around a corner and all of a sudden you you heard that rattle. and for me, I, I have headphones on, so I got music and I would hear it over my music and it, you know maybe think twice about listening to music, but you know for me, it just the music just was something I did every day. It was just. I like the music. So, yeah, definitely. But bears, never really a worry for me. Bears and mountain lions, it's more just hearsay with them. When it comes down to it, yeah, like an actual something that can get you out of nowhere like a rattlesnake. That, that's what really scared me.
0: Did you have any grizzly sightings? On the
1: CDT, the first week on the CDT in Glacier National Park, there was a grizzly bear and a cub. Running um, down the mountainside, very far away from us, almost like you couldn't see it. I, I had to zoom in with my camera to actually kind of see them. But it was, yeah, there was these big brown bears, and but it, it you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really scary. It just, it was. It, I don't know. Bears are more just like a campfire story to me. They don't, they don't scare me
0: as much as, as much as people make them out to. <laughs> Right. This just for the record, listeners. We're not saying bears are not a big deal. Please, (laughs) please, bear bag your stuff. But I now I agree with you. I've I've never had a close call bear encounter, nor have I been around people that have had close call bear encounters.
1: But we all but we all hear the horror stories of when they do. So it's uh, right, right. Yeah. Don't eat don't eat peanut butter in your tent, or
0: you know, (laughs) don't smear honey on your face or anything like that. Okay. The Trail conditions, big thing I've heard a lot about uh, is trail conditions. I would say that the AT, because of all of the growth, I would kind of describe the trail as gnarly, You know, meaning it's covered in roots and it's not easy to just find flat footing a lot of times. And would you agree with that, relatively speaking? And how do you think the other trails stack up?
1: It is hard to compare because there's so much length I mean, because some parts of the AT for me were were almost too well-grown because because when you get down to the road or, or where where the uh, weekend warriors come and and people hike all the time, you know the trails will be perfect and and very maintained. But I mean, definitely, there's the areas that you get into and it's just you say you know almost where's the trail. For me things like roots and things like that not so much I, I enjoy just kind of hopping up over things and even people complain about Pennsylvania being all rocky and all that and you know you don't touch dirt for a month while walking through Pennsylvania I mean I, I don't mind it so much and and so it it doesn't really stick in my head as being a bad thing for me trail maintenance was more washed out trails. So I, I remember a parts of the trail where I'd spend the whole day walking in like two inches of water, you know, from a rainstorm or something. But it's, it's hard to say because every time you go back, the trail's different. It, it never looks the same from one week to the next. And it's also trail maintenance, you know, if a storm rolls through and knocks a bunch of trees down, uh, like we had a, a section of the PCT in Oregon, where i guess a storm had come through the year before and they just didn't have the manpower to clear it out so yeah we had to hop over a couple hundred trees throughout the day and it's you know with 40 pounds of stuff on your back you're trying to go up or o- over or around or under a tree it's just like it's like an obstacle course obviously the at has uh, that that one section of rocks i i can't remember where the heck that is where where you know it takes you whatever two hours to go a mile. Who's sick? Okay, and but for me that was fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, that was fun. No, 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 it was. I guess I see some pictures of. I mean, I've been I've been on sections of the PCT and the CDT, but my again from my, my small sample size of the trail is like, it just felt like fairly well maintained, fairly flat with like some subtle, almost like a sand gravel trail, you know. And I'm thinking about like a lot of the stuff I think about in Maine. Or you know a lot of just these coasts in general, it's just mm, it's a gnarly trail. But you, you you don't have that generalization from my memory, not so much. I, I guess I guess there was. It's
1: for me to even remember Maine. The only thing I remember is just uh, being worried about like the hundred mile wilderness and and being paranoid about that. But you know what? Now that I think back, I do. I guess there. It really comes down to just. Yeah, just have a random day where you're in the mud the entire day and you know you go to bed with mud up to your knees or unless you can find a spot to wash off. So there, and yeah, there is definitely spots where you had to walk through you know, a swamp, but it, it is, it just, it can differ so much week to week, month to month with the weather that one, one person's experience is, is not going to be the same as the next because it's just,
0: the weather just changes the land week to week. Right. Okay. Well, let's, let's segue to the next question. It seems like a lot of people average a lot more miles per day on the Pacific Crest Trail. It was that the case for you? So, if if it's like you, I don't know. Let's say an average person does like fifteen miles a day on the AT, and they do low twenties on the PCT. Was that the case for you?
1: Yeah, I'd say I'd say that's pretty pretty much accurate. I, it's it was it did, it was just uh it was smoother moving. More, yeah, just more open and you you do have more, you know, above tree line stuff and and then also desert stuff. So it just uh, it does it does allow you to move more. And uh, I guess even on the PCT when you're kind of in the desert area, it's there's nowhere to rest really or anything like that. You're just be you'll be exposed to the sun. So you almost just kind of keep moving, I guess, so to say, and and, and mentally you know. That the PCT is you know 400 more miles than the AT, so you you know you have to uh, kind of <laughs> put in the miles, put in the miles, and and also and and the back of your mind you're you're trying to beat the snow up north if if you're traveling north, and it's really about the people that everyone else seems to move faster, so it's like if you wanna if you wanna stay with the people that you're kind of hanging out with, you just kind of you got to push it a little more.
0: So I guess this is like why I feel like the AT is kind of the the gateway drug for through like the triple crown for most, it seems like most people, most triple crowners started off on the AT. So I'm curious if that's the case, are they more seasoned through hikers by the time they do the PCT and CDT? Therefore they are putting in more miles each day, or is it something to do with the terrain actually being flatter, um, less elevation gains, smoother trail, things like that, or, you know, maybe all of the above.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard to say because I did start in the AT, um, but reason being is, I guess because I lived on the East Coast. So uh, I mean, any hiking you do is going is going season you. Well, you, all right, so you know what you know what? A, a good one for me is the AT was a, it felt like so many little ups and downs, ups and downs. So when you looked at like a profile map, it was kind of like a very jagged up and down. And then on the PCT, you'd get to these big mountains. So basically, you knew you didn't want to sleep on top of that mountain. So you would start your day off at the bottom of a mountain, and then you'd do the whole up, and then the whole down. And it might be you know ten one you know meandering miles up and ten back down, and boom, that's your twenty mile day. AT didn't really have that. It had all these little ones. So it's you kind of got it almost like you got tired faster, and then there's so many, it was so many people out there and you would hit so many shelters, like every 10 miles, there's a shelter. And it was just a lot easier to to quit during the day. Whereas the PCT, it's like, I need to get up on top of this mountain and then get the hell off of it and get back down to a, a, you know, a lower area. You know, maybe you do, t- you, maybe you just say, you're gonna, I'm gonna do two mountain passes, you know, cause maybe that'll be my 20 or 25 miles, so.
0: Navigation. So, maps, blazes, apps. I had a buddy do the CDT, and we hiked that blaze trail together. And he went and did the CDT, and he was talking about just how different it was. You know, he said there was um, just significantly less blazes, right? And you kind of had to do some alternative routes and stuff like that. So, wh- how how would you compare the navigation for all three trails?
1: Well, let's to start with the A-Team, my navigation was, um, I guess it was the A Wall guide. And it was just that little, yeah, buddy. <laughs> that little, that little paper packet. And I mean, that was the coolest thing to me was just kind of using that each day. And there was one guy on the Appalachian Trail that had gut hooks, and I had no idea what it was. Uh, I I just bought my my first smartphone the week before I left for trail just so I would have a better way of communicating with family or, or if I was going to, I just downloaded Facebook. So I was kind of getting, just getting into the technology aspect of it all. But I had no idea what gut hook was. And every time this guy would talk about it on the AT, it would just annoy me because he would be like, Oh, we're going to go up 200 feet and then down 200 feet. And then, and I'd say, well, just shut up and let's just do it. You know, because I would just have, you know, you'd have your AWOL guide, but you wouldn't have it. Accessible to you, you you look at it in the morning and you pack it away, and then maybe you look at it at lunch. <laughs> but, uh, but the AT is so well blazed, it's like you don't even need anything anyway. You know, you go out there and you follow the blazes, and there's like the five sections where the blazes maybe aren't that good, and then every other section it's overblazed almost. Whereas when you get out to the CDT, it's a it's a little intimidating because you can get lost out there. It's bigger areas if you get lost you could be walking for days me i'm a little bit of a slacker and since i was hiking with other people on the cdt i kind of just took the back seat and let them navigate i did have gut hooks and i did use it a lot and i take it out and make sure i'm
0: staying on path You I know, mean, every time you came to a a crossroad or a cross trail to what, what? and what like like what's an example of like one of those areas that you would have had a hard time navigating so on Using the Appalachian Trail as a benchmark, having a blaze on every tree, or not every tree, but frequently on trees to make sure you're still on a, a well established trail. And then on the CDT, are you walking through a prairie? Are you walking on a ridge line? Like when, at what points are you potentially getting lost? Is there just a huge expanse of land with no post or blaze or cairn or anything on it?
1: Uh, I'm trying to think. I can. The first time I can remember it was being in, I think somewhere in Montana and just the, the trail kept splitting and the more dominant trail, you would usually just take the more dominant trail. And then you would realize, oh, that wasn't the trail. It just had a lot of quirky turns to it. And and it was just, yeah it would just be different areas. I mean, usually you always get the little path going. But like I said, the the CT definitely had more kind of roads you were walking on, a lot of dirt, dirt forest roads and and stuff. It, but it was very, I definitely passed the things. I, I had that was the first time I actually went out like two or three miles out of the way one time before I realized I had to backtrack and 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 go another route. But you really you do actually end up relying on your phone a lot. And you know, it becomes your savior telling you just where to, exactly to turn and 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 kind of you got to be cognizant of, of wh- what's coming
0: up and where you're going to turn. In your phone being gut hook app. Yes. Was the, did you ever bust out a compass? No, no. I think it was before the PCT. I uh, actually
1: took a compass reading course. <clears throat> I signed up for it. And and I, I just I wanted to learn how to use one and carry one. and i I, I signed up through r e i and you know paid the money and took this course. And admittedly, it was the most confusing thing to me. I just couldn't you think reading a compass is pretty simple, but it actually has all these little quirks to it and and actually uh, lining a compass up with a map and and actually working is I mean, for some people, it's easy, but for me, my brain just did not work with it and i knew it, it would not help me out there so i took this course and it did nothing for me so i i yeah i was just relying on my phone and blazes and and common sense and i mean and then luckily on the appalachian trail and the pct there's a lot of people out there so you're it's you know the, the trail you know where the trail goes is it's usually the trail uh, the CDT though is it's you know where the trail goes is not always the trail, so it's you know you just want to be really uh, you want to make sure you got something going.
0: But I, I was never a map carrier myself. So um, does the PCT seem to fall more in line with the AT as far as being more well marked, and CDT is kind of the outlier? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I don't remember having any big troubles on the PCT.
1: I, and maybe a couple a couple times I got a little turned around. But I, the CDT, I, I mean, I would be with a couple other guys and we'd all be lost and it would just definitely a, a whole different thing. But I mean, the Gut Hook app or what any other app you're using, they get better every year. And they operate off... They can
0: operate offline. Yeah, which is... Yeah. Which is very nice. You can download things and, and... So anybody that's wondering about, well, what do you do when you don't have reception? That's That's the big selling point of those apps is that you can download them and download the maps offline and... It picks up where you are, so yeah,
1: And but uh, then make sure you have a waterproof phone. I mean, I always had a life proof case on my phone, so you know, no water and and you know, shock. But also, you know, if your phone could break, uh, hopefully you're the type of person that hikes with another person. Uh, that's why I think you know hiking alone is just uh, you know that's putting yourself at risk. So it's it's nice to be around others if you do uh, if your
0: electronics fail. Absolutely. That was one thing I actually really liked about AWOL is it was it was fail proof. Right. Um, and I, I I don't like the idea of having my phone near me all the time. I think one of the big appeals for me personally about through hiking is I love turning and just backpacking in general on the weekends, it's 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 your time to unplug, you know, and like to be dependent upon an electronic device is kind of it's not my thing.
1: I would say my almost my favorite part of through
0: hiking was
1: turning the phone off. Um, I mean, it would be on and on airplane mode so I could see the time and all that. But I don't consider that being on my phone. I mean, I, I would go into a town and I would have tr- trouble getting it off the airplane mode because I, I, as soon as you turn it back on, then a couple texts come in or something like that. And it's like, I, I didn't want to be connected to anything. I was just... It, it's... Oh, it's... Once you're unplugged for long enough, it is just... Liberating. It's, it is. It is.
0: <laughs> uh, 100% man. Yeah, interesting. I thought navigation on the CDT would have been a little more difficult than that. I guess um, gut hook is really helping some folks.
1: Yeah, I, I think it is. Um, like I said, I definitely... I definitely rode the coattails of a lot of other guys. So I, I think there was actually more navigating than I, I could even speak about. But I don't want to play it as I'm lazy, but I, I almost, I, I almost was lazy because I was just around other people and younger guys that... Really, kind of liked navigating, and so I just kind of let them do it, and I almost just followed and just enjoyed myself. And and I said, you know, they they, they kind of made routes up for places, and you know, like the CDT. Sometimes you got to pick where you're going. You, can,
0: you know, not everyone's following the same path. That was going to be another question: is the the alternative routes uh, the the Appalachian Trail has pretty much one specific defined path? So the CDT seems to have. I'm thinking about a big chunk in Colorado, I know has like a, a huge deviation, a different route you can do, isn't that right? I know for us, we did I, I,
1: a couple different areas where we did different things, but we didn't go through a, a big mountain section because of uh, there was snow. And then also there was word that the um, National Forest Service was uh, not active for a week or two while we were up there. So if there was actually a problem while we were hiking through a certain mountains, that there was no actual rescue if, if something went wrong. Oh, wow. But we, so we did some kind of cutoff, you know, a, a, an alternate route and yeah, it's, it is, it's just, it's, you, you know, you, I guess you kind of pick and you, you pick and choose and, you know, you do have to think about your safety on a lot of, a lot of the times cause you're, you're kind of out there and. Uh yeah, it's it's not like the AT where you can just uh walk a few miles to a road, I guess. Well, I, I, that's...
0: right. So how, how common were those alternative route decisions needing to be made on the PCT and CDT? Was it just once or twice? Was it frequently like kind of just all like a, a web of a trail going north to south, or was it just a couple splits?
1: Uh the PCT was not terrible. It that was more uh burn sections when you we're told do not you know you don't walk through the burn section out of respect for you know nature and you wait for it to grow back so i knew i know some people that actually went and ended up walking through sections that they weren't supposed to just so they could actually do the real pct but they you know that's not actually what they want you to do so i, I remember more at the beginning before we hit the sierras that there was a few sections that uh you know yeah well, i had you know remember doing like an 18 mile road walk to avoid uh, a burn section, and you know that was yeah, regrowing. Uh, the CDT, though, definitely was. Uh, once you start looking at gut hooks, I, I definitely there was areas where I almost you almost make your own shortcuts because you just end up in a, an area where it's it's just not really mapped out, and it's and the trail doesn't seem to make sense almost.
0: Yeah, gear differences with the. You know, Varying weather, varying terrain. How did you feel like your pack differed by trail or did it? I've seen, like, for example, ice axes being used on some. It doesn't sound like you needed that.
1: No, I, um, I opted not to have a, an ice axe on the PCT, which was the first trail that would require it. I just thought it sounded unneeded. And the thing that everyone always says is that people that carry them usually don't know how to use them so it's almost pointless. <laughs> so yeah, I, I ended up... Oh, you no, know, I was gonna say I did carry one on the CDT, but now that I think about it, I didn't. I actually just acquired one that someone left somewhere or something and I... So I carried it for a little while and then actually just sent it home. But I, PCT, I did have my micro spikes, the little things that clip on your shoes, and I did, and I did use them a good amount of times. It, but you know, for the for the weight though, you're trying to decide: do I bring them? Do I not? But for like the the ten minutes, you might use them out of you know a month of carrying them. You're kind of happy to have them. So you're always trying to cut weight. So it's really it's just it's, it's a preference. And I could have survived fine without them, you know. But it's just you know a couple little sections that they actually just give you a peace of mind having them. So when you need them, you need them.
0: ISACs, micro spikes, anything else that was a big fundamental uh gear addition or not? Not really. I feel like it. yeah, anything to... um, umbrella? Oh, you know what? An umbrella,
1: I actually I saw so I bought um, you know, because I was always doing the research, always watching the videos. I saw everyone with those uh silver umbrellas with the you know the black liner on them for the desert. So I bought one for the PCT and uh I actually used it quite a bit in the desert, but it got very annoying to carry uh, to to actually hold it. And then I tried to fashion a system to, to kind of clamp it to myself and it never actually worked that well. I don't know. And you know, and a couple of times I used it in the rain, but overall, it, some people swear by him, but I just, I don't know, I just could not, it just wasn't my thing. And I think I carried one for a little bit on the CDT, going through like a desert section. But I don't know. It's like overall, it's really just it's such a matter of preference. Sometimes it's just an an annoying thing to have. It's just
0: a yeah. I I don't think I like the idea of carrying an umbrella all day. That doesn't sound too fun.
1: No, and if you could clip it like onto your your shoulder strap somehow, sometimes it'll keep the rain off your head for a while. But no matter what, you're getting wet and uh, the sun's going to hit you. So I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say don't ever have one. It's it's good to test out all gear. I mean, if you can afford like the, the $40 hiking umbrella, you know, you try it out. If you don't like it, give it away or
0: send it home. Appalachian Trail is going to have more infrastructure than I think the other two trails. So it's, we were talking about...
1: All right, well, I mean, obviously the AT, um, you have the actual shelters on the trail. Which are every ten or fifteen miles. Uh, I personally didn't really sleep in the shelters; it wasn't my thing. Um, I, I used a hammock on the AT, and I, I just loved being in my hammock alone, uh, away from people. And uh, I feel like I, I was—I think I was thirty-one on the AT, so I was a lot, a little older than a lot of the people. Is either older than all the young people, or, or or younger than all the old people? I was in a <laughs> weird—I was kind of in a weird age group.
0: That's but, true. Uh, it does seem like there's like the fresh out of college crew, and then there's the retired crew, and it's kind of the then there's the in between that's not as
1: exactly and and well I represented.
0: Did, you don't you don't talk about the same things. So I would hear people
1: talking in the shelters, and I would just steer clear up. Like I I just couldn't. I just didn't have the same thing to talk about as them. That's
0: old uh, rusty coming through. Yeah,
1: <laughs> but I mean, I did I did really enjoy the hospitals on the at. Um, because it was my first experience with them and it was just kind of a cool community and it was fun to get into town and have a beer and all that. And and then, it, and then it reflected onto the PCT. So then I, when I got to the PCT, I was like, I was kind of excited. I'm like, I want to check out, you know, check out the hostels as you go along. So, you know, you don't, got the, you don't have the shelters out there. You just kind of end up camping wherever. Um, but, you know, you're usually with a group of
0: people when you end up camping in the evening. So shelters are unique to the AT.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I there might be one or two on the PCT. I, I can't even really
0: remember. I, I know there's little areas, but and shelter, shelters are for uh everybody that they're these three walled wooden structures that sleep about eight people and a hundred you know, mice. Yeah, mice. Um, there's and there's there's sprinkled all along the Appalachian Trail about, uh, I mean, anywhere from 10 to 15 miles apart. But the the uh, the other two trails don't have them, so you're expected to set up camp every night on your own with your tent. Which, again, on the, on the Appalachian Trail, a lot of people do as well, like Rusty was saying, but um, uh, there isn't even the option to do those on the other ones. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, But uh, same thing, the, the hostels on the PCT. And it's hard for me to think about it right away, but there, there's always the big ones that are kind of more mapped out, and and the popular ones that you read about in books or, or that are like in whatever guidebook. So I guess uh, technically, on the PCT, I was u- I was using Yogi's guide. Uh, so I think she wrote a book, and then the other half of it was a guide. I can't remember ex- actually how it worked. All I remember is I I remember cutting her book up and I would staple it together, and then I send it to myself in the mail every couple hundred miles but then her guidebooks would have like the best uh, hostels and all that. But it, when it comes down to even the hostels, you go to the, the famous hostels or the more popular ones, and you always actually have more fun when you end up at, at somewhere else where you're not expecting just a word of mouth kind of thing. And, um, it's, uh, like I guess it's, it's, you know, the trails are so long that it's, it's hard to kind of just put them in a general thing of, of right. what's what.
0: What do you make of it? I think the uh, kind of what I was thinking about more with the shelter or the hostels is not necessarily like, you know, how cool are the hostels on each of them, but more about the abundance of uh, road crossings and uh, getting to town, how easy are the logistics, you know, like getting to town? Because if the, the number of hostels is going to be, uh, I imagine, very similar to the amount of food resupplies. It's just how easy is it to get in and out of town and get supplies, get showered up, sleep, do laundry. You said that the CDT is really remote. So is it harder to do that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, the CDT, definitely. The AT,
1: I, I mean, I, I don't remember having any problems. I, I almost remember being uh, like too prepared with... Uh, you know when you get the town, the boxes that you drop in town. So I think I did like six or seven box drops on the AT, um, which I just ended up not needing. And when I actually got them, I was like, oh, I'd rather just go into town and and do it myself. And and the PCT too. I don't remember actually ha- like having any problems. It was just pretty easy. It, you, hitchhiking was easy. Getting into towns was easy. It just was never. It, it was never more than. 20 minutes of sitting on the side of the road with your thumb out and and getting into town. Uh, you you gotta, you gotta become comfortable with hitchhiking, obviously. So for all three trails, I've been in uh, over a hundred different cars, you know, hitchhiking. Um, it it just, it just becomes a way of life. It's just a thing, a thing you do. And then there's some people that don't do it. Some people that, that map it out so they don't have to hitchhike. But, uh, I was kind of more in the aspect of not just going and getting the trail done. I was wanted to experience just going into each town and going and getting a beer and, and resupplying. I, that, that was like, the fun part was getting to the town. I, I always do. Yeah. I mean, the fun part is hiking as well, but I mean, it, it, you know, it gets boring out there. So you, you might be out there for a week and just craving town and, and just waiting for that next town. Absolutely. Yeah. But CDT, definitely, there was a couple times where we're on the side of the road for a long time. And then, you know, someone picks you up and it's like, well, right. Yeah. Well, we're going to go uh, 60 miles that way to, to a town. And it's like, and, you know, sometimes it's easy to get to that town, but then hitching out of a town is, is a different story. Cause, you know, someone picks you up in the middle of nowhere, they feel bad for you. But once you're in a town and you're trying to hitch out of it 60 miles, people don't want to uh, always take you out of there. You just because you're out of the way for them, right? Yeah. So if you don't get a hitch by you know three o'clock, you know, get another room and go to the bar.
0: <laughs> well, what about water sources on the trails? What, what, like, can you try to give a guesstimate about how how frequently you were able to fill up on water sources along the three trails?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, so uh, the Appalachian Trail, it seemed easy the whole time. I don't remember ever. Running out of water, um, obviously you're at lower elevation and you're closer to civilization, so you want to be a little more careful of where you're getting your water. but uh, the AWOL guide helped you out there and kind of told you you know what to stay away from. Obviously you stay away from you know big running rivers through the middle of cities as opposed to a little creek up in the and uh, the top of a mountain. Uh, but you're filtering it no matter what so you you know you're always making sure you're doing that pct it got a little a little hairy to start off with because you start off in the desert if you're starting in the south so you get that 700 miles of desert or whatever to go through first um for me personally the year i was there it was not a terrible year for water so every time i came to a source it wasn't bad um there was a couple times on the PCT where I had to wait a half an hour to get water because th- there was maybe twenty people there trying to get water out of the same little dripping thing, um, and really it's it's you just gonna make sure you hydrate when you can, so just drink as much as you can out of water source and then carry what you need, um, CDT as well CDT there was some. We definitely some nasty water and definitely ran out of water a few times and had to drink some really brown, you know, water with cows in it and, and things like that. Um uh, and the, you'd have the water reports on gut hook. So there's always someone ahead of you uh, doing the water report if if you're at that time of year. So it, it you know, really depends on the time of year you're hiking and if there's people ahead of you and, and they're updating each water. Uh, Source for you, so it's it's really just it's luck of the draw, and you just go the more popular time of year. If you're going off season or you're you're going you know south instead of north, it's it just it changes so much just when you decide to
0: hike. I'm thinking the Appalachian Trail. I would guess on average we're talking like every few miles you cross a water source. Do you have any sense on the other trails, like how far you might be hiking in between water sources? We're talking like every 10 20 miles so i mean really once a day you might cross one
1: there there was there was a few areas where it was that kind of once a day thing or twice a day and uh it, it's you know it's it's so different throughout the whole trail i mean cuz there was parts of the pct where you you would hit water all the time or you'd hit all these water sources that weren't on the on the map or weren't in in the guide <laughs> um But all I could say about it is you're just really following what you're following the information. And the PCT was the first one; it was the trail that I remember when you got on the trail. They they had the water. I don't even know what it's called anymore. But there was actually like a a water report. Oh, it it was the water report. So you'd have like your map, but you also have basically the the water report for the trail and And you follow that water report. Um, you know, it's like a printable thing and a downloadable thing. and you know because it, it can change it it changes from week to week. So someone a week ahead of you might say, hey this 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 stream was flowing well, or I got one liter per minute, which means you might just be sitting there and it might just be a drop out of some random pipe that's shoved into the earth. And, and you know it takes you a minute to get a liter. <laughs> But the, by the time you get there, a week later, that could be dried up. So it's it's just it, it's there's such a difference from week to week and, and year to and year to year as well. It's just it's not it's just not a set thing on any of the trails. It's you you are responsible for reading water reports and and really uh, you know doing your homework because yeah that that water may might be there and it might not be there.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen those um, those pictures of yeah, like the water caches, like just like a like a hundred jugs, <laughs> water caches, right? But you don't need those on the East Coast, right? So like it's it's clearly drier out there, and so they need those caches to yeah, ha, you know,
1: and and I don't even remember them until you just brought it back up, and then as soon as you said that, I'm just thinking to myself, oh my god. Thank God for some of those water caches, because there was there was <laughs> there definite oh, areas where there was no water, and you'd come up and there'd be a hundred one gallon jugs that you know that have been used a dozen times before that are all knocked around, and you know you just you find this hot water sitting in the sun in the sun in the desert, and you're just you know happy as ever to have it. it, it you know you, you take what you need and you try to take as little as you need. And shout out big thanks to those people who fill it. Oh yeah, amazing! I can't even. And and some years you'll see in you know in the guidebooks or little notes on the gut hooks that like oh this year this person can't do this water cache and it's a big deal because you might have a 40, uh, forty or thirty mile stretch with no water and I and I do remember like a couple of those and it's, and it's it's I, I got to pick my own brain to remember these things but I do remember now where it'd be like I got to fill up in the morning and I have to have enough water for dinner. And then I, you know, and then wake up and have enough water. So it's like, you need enough water for a day and a half. It's uh, you know. so
0: definitely, definitely more sparse. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We're going to, we'll wrap, uh, start wrapping up, but I'm let's do just big generalization. What's your favorite trail? All things included <laughs> your, your experience on there, the people you were hanging out with the weather, the scenery, all the above. What was your favorite trail?
1: Uh I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the PCT just because uh I, I would you know the CDT was great, but there was just not a heck of a lot of people out there. Um and I loved the AT because there was a lot of people out there and I met so many people and uh just the community on the Appalachian Trail and the PCT together, it just meeting so many people and being out there. It, it was just a great time but then you know the pct takes the edge with just the scenery and uh just the different landscapes and everything um say so yeah, i am going to i'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go <laughs> that i like the pct
0: better but well, uh... there you go pct is the winner from the triple crowner <laughs> all right yeah just personally what have you been doing to stay sane during the quarantine uh you know, it's hard to say. I, I'm
1: I'm in and out of sanity. I guess.
0: Uh, l- luckily, I, that's a, that's I, a big <laughs> assumption. Assuming we're staying sane. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I I got married uh, last summer in June. Congrats! <laughs> so so yeah. My, so my wife and I, you know, hanging out and uh, you know, built a garden and uh, just just hanging out at home and and doing stuff that you're supposed to do. Just keeping the house tidy going out and and you know learning about growing new food and keeping the lawn cut it's just uh you know I'll actually you know hiking gives you a, an appreciation for just actually loving being home because uh you know even though it's fun being out there it's it's not easy so it's uh, enjoy the the luxuries of home yeah it is it's it's comfortable and it's easy and if you if you can't enjoy it then you know it's you you need to be exposed to worse so you can enjoy what you actually have because
0: you know yeah well and hope you enjoy the gardening sounds fun. Where can people find you? I don't think I saw you on Instagram.
1: uh I have an Instagram. I think I put three or four pictures on there and never really used it. uh you know, I'm on Facebook. that's about it, but I don't really I'm not a big poster or anything like that. It's really it's just not my thing. Um, you know, I, I I did the little video with Pi, and uh, I know people enjoyed that watching that, and said, "Oh, you know, you should do you know more videos." But it's just,
0: I don't know, <laughs> it's just I, I don't have the uh, means to do it. I guess. Yeah, it's not, not your thing either. But I enjoyed the video, so we'll link up to that. Um, link up to your Facebook. But thanks so much for shedding some light on the triple crown of hiking, Eric. Appreciate it, man.
1: Yeah, thank you. I had a good time.
0: All right. A big thanks to Eric for shedding some light on the Triple Crown of hiking. This is Chris Cage with Green Belly Meals signing out. Peace.